On this episode of Jaded Wrestling, we take a whole ass tour of Providence Civic Center and get some head from Al Snow. Hold one! I'm down! Hi, I'm Will. I'm Taylor. This week we go back and watch one of the better Attitude Era pay-per-views, Backlash 1999. Unlike last week when we watched SummerSlam 98, this pay-per-view managed to keep my attention start to finish. It did this so well, I had a hard time figuring out to skip the match this week, but don't worry, it's still in there. Like we talked about last week, there's some behind-the-scenes stuff like new logos, a list that you, the viewer, can contribute to, and even a Patreon going up so you can help support this podcast on an even more personal level. We spend a lot of time on this podcast, so everything helps including all the support we've been getting, which we cannot thank y'all enough for. I'm not going to take too long to talk about this stuff, but one more cool thing we're working on is some guest features in the upcoming episodes. Who could it be, you may ask? Well, guess what? There's some cool people, and this is only the start. I really want to have more guests on, so hit us up, and we'll see what we can make happen. So let's do the damn thing, Taylor. Backlash 99. Yeah, yeah. The event starts with a promo from the Rock and Stone Cold. Shortly after, the viewer is informed it was announced during Sunday Night Heat that the main event will be a no-holds-barred, and if Steve touches the special guest referee Shane, he'll lose the match. It was weird because I'm not really used to seeing an intro promo package only focus on one match, but after watching it, it makes sense. But we'll save that for a little bit later. Do you think that uh, Shane McMahon is a puss in this? Oh, yeah, no, he's the biggest bitch. Uh, he really annoyed me. I think this is the reason why later on when we watch some of those ones where he's not a bitch-ass motherfucker, that it makes me hard to like him. Like, you know what I mean? Not makes me hard, but makes it hard. Yeah, it, it's very easy to have mixed feelings about Shane McMahon. Because I remember this Shane McMahon, and I didn't remember jumps off a 20-foot cliff Shane McMahon. No, yeah, no, I definitely, <laughs> I know exactly where you're coming from. It's like... And I saw that, I was like, oh, he's doing cool stuff. How weird. You're like, am I on board the Shane train? What is this impasse that we're currently in? Well, he's a major bitch of this one. So if we're t- tallying it up, we'll tally this to shitty Shane McMahon. Yeah, I'm totally about that. So the first match is a six-man tag match between the Brood against Farouk, Bradshaw, and Midian from the Undertaker's Ministry. Quick side note, Midian actually owns a catering business in Clearwater now. Oh, weird. So we can go get a, a catered event from Midian himself. Does he do the weird thing, cross upside down crosses on his head? I really hope so. Maybe I'll like hit him up for my wedding, and I'll be like, hey, can you do a, a ministry-themed cake for me? <laughs> dude, he's got to be one of the weirdest characters I've ever seen. And that weird dude that was in it, Big Daddy V's other thing, um, what's his name? Just Viscera. That's what we're going to call him. <laughs> it's, it's Viscero in this one, isn't it? I think it's Viscera, and then it's... I think he had another weird, like, nickname, but go off, man. Uh, he didn't come to later, though, does he? Isn't he, like, halfway through the match? Yeah, no, he comes through, like, pretty much towards the end, but we'll talk about that in a second. So the Brood were definitely members of the Ministry, but after realizing how crazy that shit was, even for them, they pieced the fuck out, which sparked a feud between the Brood and the Acolytes. 
I love, even though they're going for a vampire look, Gangrel and Christian just end up looking like pirates, and then you have Edge looking like he always does, and is on borderline sore thumb status with the group. Like Trish, Christ- Trench Coat Island. I know, like, Christian and Gangrel could be a father-son duo if they want, and then Edge is like, hey. I I'm- think they gave him matching clothes on purpose. Like, I think Vince was like, you know what? I've got two white shirts in the back of my closet. Why don't you throw them on? You know I get them extra large. <laughs> They're so big on Vince every time. He never has a shirt that fits. So I feel like he just can fit any size wrestler. That's why he does that. He's just trying to hide how fucking swole he is. (laughs) Hey, guys, go get a couple white shirts out of my closet. Unbutton them down to your belly button. We'll go with it. I just had a really bad realization. And maybe people know this, or maybe it's just me being a dumbass. But do you think they started calling Edge Edge because they wanted him to be an edgy character? That's exactly what it is. That's why he wears the trench coats, and he's always sitting in the side of the stadium just looking at people. Yeah. I should have I should have put those pieces together yeah, a little bit it. sooner. They couldn't just call him Adam. They could have. Well, it wouldn't have worked. So well. They could have called him Copeland. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Oh, here comes Copeland down the sideline. See, see, missed opportunities, Vince. Good job. <laughs> I don't have much to say about this one other than the constant interference in this match. It was straight chaos in the second half. Like we were talking about, Viscera coming out of nowhere and giving Bradshaw the opening to hit Gangrel with a clothesline from hell for the win. Before we end on this, how do you feel about Bradshaw? I have very mixed feelings on him. And then towards the end of the pay-per-view, he just... Nah, he makes my shit list. I don't like... I've never really seen him before. I've uh, had a lot of uh, experiences with Ron Simmons because Ron Simmons is the best, a.k.a. Farouk. But, uh... I don't know much about Bradshaw. See, I like the APA and everything. Like Those were cool gimmicks, but I'm very mixed on this era of Bradshaw, I guess I could say, because this whole Ministry of Darkness was like good in certain aspects, but also really bad in certain yeah. aspects. And you know who we can blame that for. Fucking Vince Russo. <laughs> Here we go again. Nah, I'm Did re- you know that... Uh- did you know that uh, Ron Simmons played had a successful NFL career? Yeah. Three whole seasons, man. Not <laughs> super long, but he got injured, and that's why he became a wrestler. If I remember correctly, The Rock also played for the Dolphins. Yeah, but only for like a year. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, yeah that's fair. But Ron Simmons played. He was a draft pick. Like, he was in the actually drafted. I'm so proud of him. Yeah, he's the man. Yeah, I absolutely love Ron Simmons. I wouldn't want to get speared by him on a football field or in a wrestling ring, though, so. And Ron Simmons is the only reason why I'm able to come to terms with Bradshaw being Bradshaw because Farouk is so great. Yeah. He's great. He makes everybody around him better. He's such a good team player. Oh, yeah. And he wants everyone to grow and become better. And that's mm. a very likable trait on, on him. Oh, for sure. To keep it moving, we have Al Snow giving everyone some head and taking on Hardcore Holly for the Hardcore Championship. This dude is so weird, man. This is the second time we've watched him, and I don't understand this gimmick any more than I did before. I don't understand the head thing. I don't get it. I don't understand it. He's crazy, dude. I get that he's crazy. <laughs> I just don't understand. Who was he fighting again? He was fighting Hardcore Holly. Oh, yeah, that's right. Matt Ryan. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I know we talked about him not being the best person, but this whole job squad gimmick with Hardcore Holly and the head gimmick, to me, it was. I enjoyed it. It was a fun match. It was a fun little match. Hardcore Holly is like sneaky good and makes you really like like his wrestling ability, even though I'm not a huge fan of him. <laughs> Every time I watch him, I'm like, oh, here we go again, because I hate him. But like he's so good at his job. And oh I mean this match was so good because it was a blow off because Hardcore Holly and Al Snow, like I said, were in the job squad together and then ended up disbanding not so peacefully and then, you know, like I said, a couple blow off matches and this was one of them. 
Um, this match will actually be our first tour of the facility as well. And right off the bat, I can't help but notice this table in the match looks fucking rough, even though no one goes through it right away because they take this match backstage, where we see all kinds of crazy shit like a kitchen sink and a hose down from Al Snow to Holly. We also see some car involvement and cheesy insurance jokes. I bet you can guess who said them. <laughs> As usual. There's a spot in this match where Al gets yeeted into a giant trash pile and Bob hits a crossbody for a two count. They find their way into a production trunk and then Al returns the favor by tossing Holly onto a car and then drops an elbow for a two count. They finally make their way back to the ring and the crazy weapons continue on where we see Al grab some frying pans by the baking sheets we saw him use before they left the arena. Speaking of a comeback, we see that nasty table again when we see Holly put snow through it with a suplex that takes out both men. And that shit was rough, dude. Mm -hmm. I think that Al is one of those hardcore guys, though. Even though he's a job squad guy, seems like every one of his matches end up being really kind of heavy. Oh, yeah, no, most definitely. The men are knocked out, and there's a weird little scramble shortly after this, though Al manages to pick himself up and give Holly some head to become the hardcore champion. So afterwards, he makes this weird little promo to his head. Can we talk about that? That's a little bit later on. Is it? That's not right after the match? No, no. There, you, We get some other promos. Oh, shit. Including, I thought it was right after the match. Yeah, remember we get that Undertaker one? Oh, yeah. That's cool. I got something on that. Go ahead. Please quote this for me. Okay. So this is my uh, Undertaker impression. I hope you're ready. Hit me. Okay. Look to the future, to the eventual arrival of a higher power. Is unholiness and the calamity begins. You think I sound like him? Spot on. Are you the Undertaker, man? Now the destruction begins and the tragedy begins. <laughs> I have a stupid beard. Damn, man. <laughs> that goatee is so fucking terrible. That was a fucking plot twist right there. You you had me in there. Oh, man, you good? Yeah, that plot is, is the stupid beard is the plot twist. That's the Undertaker coming back on you. He's going to ruin your lungs on you, I boy. hope that he uh, choke slams me through a table, but he needs to get rid of that goatee. I don't think he ever had it again, did he? That's not a thing, like a regular Undertaker thing. It's just a ministry Undertaker thing with yeah. the stupid Lucifer beard. Yeah, he, I mean, he goes through several facial hair changes, That's though. trash. This is the worst one. I'll go out on a limb and say this is the worst thing he's ever done with his facial hair. Oh, dear Lord. So Goldust comes out with the Blue Meanie. Oh, and, yeah. And the Blue Meanie cuts a promo reminiscent of a Sable one I think I've heard before. <laughs> you leave, leave Sable out of this. It's all Blue Meanie this time. Give him his accolades. Someone I'd much rather watch. <laughs> then we see Godfather come out and at first has no hose with him. The people do not like that, but no worries. The hose find their way out to the ring. I think that uh, this whole pay-per-view, that Jerry needs to get the horny police called on him through the whole pay-per-view. Like there's a moment in like three of the matches where Jerry the King Lawler just goes off on some like tangent about boobies or something. And that's his thing, dude. It's, it's like, dude, just... You need to go take a cold bath or something and just relax. Like, this is getting to be annoying. And you know what I mean? Like, you're dressed like a cartoon character. We see Godfather defending his Intercontinental Championship and cuts a little promo himself where he tells the crowd to hit it 420 style and remember, pimping ain't easy. Why does he uh, line his hose up? Does he have a certain order he likes to put his hose in? Is that a thing? Because it seems like he knew where every hoe was supposed to be, like a puzzle piece. I think that's the only way he can live life because he's so high. If he doesn't have them... Like, everything in its place, is he's he going to lose it. Is he a smoking guy? Well, I mean, he literally told 
everyone to hit it 420 but you style. think that was like a gimmick you think he oh no i've like watched videos of him and he's like yeah i just love smoking weed he's like i smoke weed all the fucking time that makes sense why his whole gimmick was the hoe train yeah well what he does is he goes you need to go here i'll put the redhead in the middle he's like go here it's a hierarchy it's like how he likes to do his hosts yeah that's fair Pimpin' yeah. ain't easy, man. Got to keep your hose in line. <laughs> I love, Jerry Jerry makes a point to say like a hoe train as much as he can to this match. Like he's just like hoe train, hoe train, hoe train. Jr. is just like, dude, we get it. That's Relax. how it, that's how his brain works. It just goes <laughs> one mile a moment. He's just like, dude, just take it easy. We have to sit. I have to sit by you all night. I don't want to sit by your boners. Just yeah. take it easy. Despite King's commentary, this was a fun little match, but nothing I marked out over. We see the finish come when Goldust tries to blind Godfather, but it backfires on him. Then, Godfather sticks a blinded Goldust on Blue Meanie, and that was a real dick move. After Goldust low blows Meanie, thinking it was the Godfather, Goldust... Meanie gives it right back to Dustin and helps Godfather secure the win and retain the Intercontinental title. I was real upset for Brian Efron. I just said his real name. How do you like it? I love it. <laughs> he didn't deserve to get put out like that, man. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. And you know what? Poor I Meanie. I don't know who I'm more mad at, Godfather or Gold Dust. I'm never really mad at Gold Dust. Just because his screams make me so happy. He's just like, oh, oh, ah, oh, ah, ah. Is that not a fever dream for you, though? Yeah, it's something special. <laughs> You're like, I live for it. I don't know. The Godfather was a dick about this one, but good good on him. He did a nice job winning the match. I mean, he did, in fact, win the match. Yeah, it was nice, nice job by him. Now we cut to an interview with Al Snow, the one you were talking about, and Michael Cole that turns more into a private conversation between Al Snow and Head before we see the Bitch Age Outlaws come out. Yay. I'm still salty from last week, man. They take on a... You're going to take them over Dick Face Jeff Jarrett? Oh no no! I I have no allegiance to this match. But you have to take a side. You, I mean, I really like Owen Hart, so it makes me hard for me to bet against him. If I had to pick but a team, it would be the New Age Outlaws. I'm coming but around. But can a man them, be bro. upset? They kind of make me laugh. I gotta be honest. They're pretty funny. Say they are. You know they're pretty funny. They have their moments. They're pretty funny. Honestly, whenever he comes out, I just realize he's doing it. It's not like a theme song thing. Oh yeah, no. I just realize it's Road Dog, and that makes me like him so much more. Like he's just like. You guys didn't know! And I was like, ah! Oh my god. <laughs> you just marked the hell out. Yeah, I was sitting on the couch just rocking my arms. I was like, better tell somebody! Oh my god. I can't <laughs> with you. They take on the team of Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett, like we mentioned, in an odd pairing, if you ask me. And you know what's funny, though? It's right about break time, and I couldn't pick a better match on this card to skip, so let me give you three reasons. One, they say puppies 75 times in reference to boobs. I hate when matches focus around some half-naked chick, and the manager played a pretty decent part, including the finish of the match and a weird boner from King. And this match can be summed up by saying the Outlaws won with the distraction, and King was distracted on commentary the entire time. Did you see Mr. Ass's ass, though? Wasn't that a highlight of your day? Yeah. I mean, if you could <laughs> say said, that. Yeah, and then he's like, wait a minute. What did I just agree to? <laughs> you slut. <laughs> now that we're back from break, let's take a few minutes to talk about this current week in wrestling. Because, man, is there a lot of interesting things happening. We'll be seeing the draft take place tonight on SmackDown, and it's a long overdue. Raw has been super stale, whereas SmackDown is thriving. So hopefully they book this draft in a fashion where both shows can come out producing great content 
But as we all know, it's a lot easier to say that than to actually execute it. Well, to be fair, they've been executing a little better in the last couple months. Well, SmackDown, most definitely. Raw, eh, I'm a little iffy on that. Well, I mean, they're the same company. So let's see what happens. Maybe they'll try to diversify their town a little bit. And And that's why I'm... That's that's something to be hopeful about, for sure. And that's why I'm taking a positive outlook on this. I know this segment, we talk a lot about WWE, and personally, I watch a lot of AEW. I want to mention them before we move on. Now, by the time we put this out, the dog collar match will have come and gone, so instead of being super late to the party, I wanted to speak on Jon Moxley, with him recently speaking on how he's thriving outside of the WWE system. And that couldn't be the understatement of the century. I rarely cared for him in WWE, but when you let him be the character, and I mean that in every sense of the word, that he is, you get this unquestionably amazing wrestler who will go down as a legend on the mic as well. It's so great to see someone who you could tell isn't being used to their full potential go out and do it for themselves. I'm here to tip my hat to you, John. Keep absolutely killing it. Hey, tell me about Amber Moon. You mean Ember Moon? That's what I said. Yeah, let's pretend that's what you said. What about her? Tell me about her. Is she good? Is she bad? Yeah, she's good. She was killed it in NXT and then went up to the main roster, if you could call it the main roster, and they did not know how to book her at all, and then she got an injury, and now she's back to, you know, take it back. Okay, that makes sense. I've never seen her wrestle, so when that happened this weekend, last weekend or whatever weekend it was. Oh, yeah. Takeover also happened. It was uh, cool. From what I understand, both Kyle O'Reilly, who's a grown-ass man, and Finn Balor got really injured. Like, I think there's swallowed teeth and some shit like that. Oh, shit. It was a whole-ass banger of a match, though, so that pay-per-view was great. I thought so, too. When we come back to this Backlash pay-per-view, though, we get a backstage promo between Shane and Michael Cole, and Shane just shows stupid shade of Vince, and then we get a promo with Vince and Stephanie, and they couldn't be saltier, leading us into a boiler room match between Mankind and Big Show. Can we talk about the evolution of Stephanie McMahon? Because she's fucking terrible in this. Oh, God. She's absolutely terrible. No, and you're totally right. She is an absolute dog shit pile. And I mean, over time, she gets a lot better at it and everything. The Valley Girl look on her is so fucking bad, dude. And she just does not pull it off. Maybe Triple H gave her a little pointers. Oh, yeah. No, once she got with Paul, they really started to both come into their own. Paul was doing it already, but Stephanie came into her own right off the back i gotta say paul is looking great just like the hardcore match earlier in the night this match is full of extremely unique and rough looking weapons including a few different weird ass glass windows a large amount of metal pipes and an old ass ladder and even a mop foley cuts himself on one of the glass windows earlier in the match and through this bout his hand is straight up leaking Despite the deep gash, he manages to win the match after burying show in a pile of pipes and walks out of the boiler room until Big Boss Man and Tess start beating up Mick and force him back in. Big Show then rises up and starts assaulting them both out of nowhere and chases Boss Man out, giving Mick the chance to give Tess a taste of Sako. Is that that the same guy that was in that Fatal Five way later on in life? What do you mean? The the Elimination Chamber? Oh yeah, Tess. Yeah, definitely the same Tess. Ah, weird. Yep, real weird, right? Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Big Sh- uh, Big Paul's outfit. Hit me um, with it. He looks like he got it from Jackie Chan in those early movies. And you know what? He had I'm jeans here for on it. with a weird tank top. That's a Jackie Chan outfit. He looks so great, though. Yeah, he did. He I did would really not good. mess with Mick that brings the best out of everybody, though, dude. He really does. This match was a, definitely a highlight of this paper. Honestly, it's every match that he's in. Everybody that he's with looks so good all the time. It never fails. Because just like Stone Cold and Rock, he carried the WWF on his back. Yeah, that's fair. He also is just a 
beautiful performer and knows how to do things so right all the way. And at the end, he cuts one of those little funny promos again, and I just love it, dude. I like, love everything about it. Like, everyone talks about how golden of an age the Attitude Era was, and trust me, there's a various characters sprinkled in that are great, but really, take out Stone Cold, The Rock, Mankind, Triple H, Undertaker, and Undertaker. Think about what that product would be with everyone else. Yeah, you're right. You would still have highlights, but it wouldn't be near as many highlights, especially mic highlights, because they all do so much good mic work. And they're really the only ones. And without Undertaker, you also lose Kane and all the people that came with him. You know what I mean? Not necessarily with that one. Maybe they would have used him in a different capacity, but I really do think it would be a much different... But even in this one, his gimmick is drawn out of Undertaker. Yeah. You know what I mean? So without Undertaker, I don't know how you get that out. Maybe we would have saw a strong face Simon Yankum run. <laughs> I wish. I hope not. <laughs> Mixed music plays, and we cut to another backstage promo with Cole. A reoccurring theme, it seems. China and the other Paul Wait a minute. On. Before we go on, can we talk about that Mick promo where he just walked you through the match That's again? right after. You, uh, your that time. was right after the match, wasn't it? Yeah, I got notes. I got notes. But yeah, they're just shooting on uh, Xbox, who's recently divorced from DX and their life. Right after that, though, we cut to some exclusive home video footage of Paul getting cleaned up by the doctor, and my man is looking rough after this match. And Mick revisiting the scene of what seemed like a giant car accident. A signature of these late 90s Mankind matches. My man doesn't want to fight the big show anymore, though. He's got kids. <laughs> At one point he goes, and you see here, this is where my hand blood was right before I won the match, everybody. Come over here. Come here. Look at like, this. Here's the ladder I tried to climb. I'm not... <laughs> Don't climb ladders at home. <laughs> uh, he's so funny. Then after that little scene, we go ahead and get more Paul. It's just full of Paul tonight. And this is one of the very few times seeing Paul not come out with a DX or Motorhead theme song. And man, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. What? Can you remake that theme song for me? Because it was dog shit. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some serious editing on that. It was what it really was, though. I was listening to it. I was like, what are they playing this on? What is the instruments they're using for this? Because this is trash. It's like, how long did the theme song last? Are they using PS2 Beatmaker for this? <laughs> it sounded like someone was beatboxing it and they just put it through an amp. What a garbage can of a theme song. It's the same people that wrote the Stone Cold theme song, but they couldn't figure out any more cool stuff. Like they were out of ideas and they were in writer's block. They're just like, we've already made one cool one. We're going to do another. We're on contract. Here's a hotter take. It was Cartel after they made that one hit single. Oh, you better leave my boys alone. The worst set I've ever seen. Hey, man, they were great when I saw them. I'm I'm happy for you. You just didn't see him at the right time. I guess so. Set your goals went off, though. I didn't like them live. You're wrong. The minute H gets in the ring, though, him and Pac start going at it, and I actually started to get excited for the next 20 minutes of my life. This also was a fun little match, and you can tell Paul and Pac have really great chemistry inside the ropes together. Were there moments that I spaced out? Hell yeah, but I was also watching TakeOver and keeping an eye on my fantasy league, so can you really blame me? Honestly, this is one of my favorite matches of the night, because you get to see... Uh, primetime China do her work and she is so good at her job tell us more about your love for China so he takes a couple nut shots and then she I'm pretty sure she like suplexes him and it's just like everything she does I'm like man dude look how damn strong she is and honestly 
I don't know what it is about her, but she's strong and sexy to me. That's a strong, powerful woman. Do you write about China in your diary? I might. I might. Have you seen her body type? God, she's got more muscles than a an axe wielder. She could have like squashed her head. Oh, like, man. Like, have you ever seen those really fake horror movies where they like yeah. slap someone's head with two hands? And it, like... Yeah, like one of those monkeys with the symbols. Yeah, dude. She... You know in the Grinch, when the Grinch is getting his head smashed by the monkey symbols? Yeah. That's what I want her to do with her hands. Well, I mean, R.I.P. Rest in peace, Lori. I really miss you. Thinks about you every day. I do. Man, she was ripped. Yeah, she was. Real deal. And, fun fact, Triple H and X-Pac were Eskimo brothers with her. They were, indeed. And so I guess you can throw Stephanie in that mix, too. Are they both Eskimo brothers with Stephanie? No, but I mean Stephanie. Oh, geez, that was scary. (laughs) I was going to say, that's too much. Here's a fun fact I found out. I did a little research on it. So when uh, Pac started dating her, guess who the first person who called him was? Triple H? Mm Mm-hmm. What did he say? He said, look, dude, warning. She's crazy as hell. Oh, my God. (laughs) The audacity. (laughs) But that was a cool thing to do because they weren't on speaking terms. So it shows you the character of Triple H. Oh, like Pac Pac and and Triple H weren't on speaking terms. Oh, man. So it was a cool thing of him to do because they were not good. Like They were not friends. What if it was a spite Lori? So, uh, it might have been, but he was. But she had been out of the business for a while, so she hadn't been in WWE. She that was, doesn't mean anything. She did her second Playboy. Think about how long Vince has held grudges. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, she she wasn't really associated and really hadn't done anything with him. And honestly, he said he hadn't seen her in like a year and a half. And he said, I went through a really public divorce and then we ended up just, she was kind of like someone that was there for me. And we ended up, you know, dating. But I, the first person to call him was Triple H, which shows his character as a man to me. Yeah. Because he could have been a real dickhead about it, but instead he was like, hey man, I know that we're not really cool, but here's what I got for you. I can get down with that. So, I don't know. That makes me like Paul a little bit more. He I, does do a lot of shit that I'm like kind of like iffy on. Like After that NXT thing, I started looking into Velveteen Dream, and he's like completely like just like forgetting that any of this happened. And just like keeps shrugging his shoulders about it, and I don't understand why, because it's pretty clear what happened. Yeah, it's the same thing with Matt Riddle. Cancel him. I think that uh, Velveteen's a little worse. Yeah, no. Uh, but not 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 putting anything past Matt Riddle because he's a slime bag. Yeah, they. The, what I'm saying is they both equally suck. Yeah, but it's like it seems like a Triple H has a, Paul has a habit of turning his head for people that are talented, which I hope that he cancels that fuck because he's he's not worth it. What um, he's doing. Unfortunately, we see that too much in the wrestling business, though, and hopefully. Things change. A lot of things need to change in a lot of a lot of different places. But, but yeah, anyway. Let's not get down the, this deep road. Back this, to the finisher, though. I thought this was a great match. Yeah, this I match. I really was impressed. And then Kane comes out, and, and he flatlines Triple H. And then he flatlines China with a choke slam. Yeah. And then sets him up in the corner so X-Pac can do that double Bronco buster. But I thought it was real pointless. Like, Kane put his life on the line for Pac. Just to have Pac get a little overzealous and then get totally pedigreed. Yeah. And sure. take the loss. I don't know. I just I don't think they'd ever put Pac over H in it. I just don't think that was ever gonna happen, no matter what happened. A boy can dream though, right? Yeah, for sure. I found myself rooting for him the whole match, but I knew it wasn't gonna end well. I think the reason he came out is because they were tag teaming him and beating him to death together, and then she cheated and put H's hand over him for the pin, and that's when Kane comes out. So it was just it was meant to be. But, man, that was a high drop for H. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> the, the the one to China wasn't no easy drop either, but he did soften her up a little bit before he dropped her. 
but he full-on dropped ball. It was crazy. We go straight into the co-main event with an angry-ass Ken Shamrock taking on a very limber and very demonic Undertaker with his boy Paul Bearer and Paul Bearer's double chin. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to bring that up because, man, he must have a bowl full of pudding in that chin because that thing gets bigger every time I see it. Rest in peace. I, he looks like a frog. <laughs> he does, like a bullfrog right before he's about to croak. Exactly. Rest in peace. Yeah, I hate to talk shit, but, man, <laughs> it just slapped me in the face as soon as he came on the screen. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. I need to soundboard that, bitch. <laughs> For the second week in a row, we get some prime-ass Undertaker. Man, is it such a treat. It's one thing for him to be in this kind of condition in a squash match, but last week he took on Steve, which was a banger, and this week we have Ken Shamrock, another fierce competitor. I love Ken Shamrock. Like Every week I watch him, I'm more and more impressed with him. I would love to have like a signed picture of him with the mutton chops. Yeah. Such a big ass look. Dude, he is so cool, though. Like, Have you ever seen anyone do The Undertaker like this? Like, I know he lost. But, like, have you ever seen anyone make The Undertaker scream? Like, I've never heard him scream in pain. In my yeah, life. he, Ken Shamrock did not fuck around. And he is such a bat, like, he is a person that can legitimately kill you. Yeah, for sure. It's not fake. That's damn sure. Yeah. Not that I would fight Undertaker or anything. Or, or Ken Shamrock. <laughs> I mean, like I'm saying, though, I'm not saying that Undertaker's skills are fake because he'd still beat me to death. Yeah, no, I'm definitely. just saying that I don't want to get my legs snapped that bad. And that's what Ken Shamrock does. Oh, yeah. We see Taker seal Shamrock's fate when Bradshaw comes out, and this is when I start to hate Bradshaw, to aid Paul in some distractions. Ken overcomes and looks like he's going to finish the match when Undertaker counters Ken and gets him in for a three count with a tombstone. I don't know if Bradshaw's in shape or if he's just really big. I think it's a little bit of both. Because I don't feel like he's like in great, great shape. Like He's not ripped, but at the same time, I don't feel like he's not in shape. I just think he's huge. He's like a two-visit-to-the-gym-a-week kind of guy who okay. drinks a lot of beer. So he's not Randy Orton. No, not by any means. <laughs> After the match, we see Bradshaw start assaulting Shamrock and choke him out with a baseball bat. It was absolute overkill, and Bradshaw is quickly making his way on my shit list. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, not about it, dude. Get your beer gut have an ass out of here. <laughs> now he's got a beer gut. <laughs> it's a beer gut. Fuck you. It's about that time where we get to some main event action. And do and do we have a classic to talk about where Stone Cold defends against Dwayne the Cock Johnson in a no-holds-barred match like we mentioned in the top of the show. The feud going into Backlash provided us with a classic highlight reel moment of Austin when he destroys Dwayne's whip with a monster truck. <laughs> what a great storyline. And you've seen that clip in every single Stone Cold package ever since. I honestly forgot about the drop off the bridge, though. Oh, yeah. Which was pretty cool, too. No. I wonder if that was a stuntman or if Steve really did that. Oh, it was Steve. Stone Cold's entrance is literally five seconds long because he trucks it down to the ring to start whooping some ass. There's a reason why people always reminisce over the Attitude Era, and that's thanks to how absolutely crazy Steve and Dwayne were together in a ring. Maybe the best chemistry together of any wrestlers. Without question. These dudes are going to war and putting this title over better than anyone ever has. Even like The more and more I watch them, the more easily their communication is detectable. But it's when I was a kid, you don't notice it because they're oh. so seamless. And you also know too much now. Yeah, but like it, like now on this one, I'll see him fall, and I always see one of them bend down, and he'll say like, "You okay?" or "How you doing? You all right?" And then the other one will give him like a one-word answer, like, "Yep, let's go." Yeah. Or he'll give him like a direction. He'll be like, "Back to the ring." He'll be yeah. like, Cool. Let's you know go. What I mean? Let's like, just do it. Yeah. So it's always like they're just telling each other where the match is going to go through the whole match, and that's why I think these are so special because you find your way through a lot of different spaces in this. It starts in the ring goes outside into the crowd, 
goes over into the steel grates. You know what I mean? Like, mm. there's a lot of different spots where they're playing around with in this, and every one of them are just communicated through so smoothly and well. Oh, yeah. The match only stays in the ring for a few minutes until we get the third tour of the arena of this event. They must have had a weird-ass deal with the arena to showcase the building or something. After a dominating fight from Steve, his luck runs out when he set up Dwayne to go through the Spanish announce table and gets rock bottom through it instead. After that, Dwayne throws on a headset and starts talking shit to Steve through commentary so everyone can hear it. A few minutes later, he takes the camera and starts talking even more shit to Steve until Steve pops up with some middle fingers and put him through an announce table with a stunner. Until Steve pops up with some middle fingers and puts him through an announce table with a stunner. That's because he was trying to use the camera, though. And JR tried to warn him to be fair. He was like, put that camera down. Put that camera down. What are you doing? Put it down. And then he gets stone cold stunnered because that's what happens when you don't listen to JR. Pretty much. Shane starts to bamboozle Steve by trying to help Dwayne pin Steve, trying to assault Steve with the belt, and even refusing to hit a three count. Remember Shane's that, a cuck. Remember that promo where he was like, hey, I'm going to count no matter what, and then he like just doesn't count? Yeah, he's he, a cuck. So yeah, Vince walks his ass out, hits Shane with the belt, and sends Earl Hefner to finish it up. Dwayne tries to hit Steve with the belt, but eats another stunner in the belt right after giving Steve the win to retain the WWF Championship. As the show goes off the air, we get hit with one more highlight reel clip with Undertaker asking Stephanie where to as she screams in the limo while Steve is cranking some Coors Light in the ring. So, did you see the Undertaker thing coming? Have you seen this before? Oh, yeah. I knew it was coming, I think. But it was just because I just, I don't know. There's no other way that works. But it is funny to see him roll down the window with that shitty beard. Oh, yeah. And he goes... Where to, Stephanie? So yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us for another episode of Jaded Wrestling. If you haven't already, go like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Jaded Wrestling. You can follow our personal Twitters at Godfieri and at TaylorHassler1. And make sure you tell your friends, your mom, and hell, even tell your dog. I'm pretty sure on Apple Music you can rate and leave a review, so it would be super cool if you could do that and follow us on Spotify. Hell yeah, brother. Keep an eye out for a new mini-episode on Wednesday where we tell you what we're going to watch on Friday because I haven't figured it out yet. Until next time, we'll see you on Wednesday, brother. Stay jaded. Yeah, yeah.